podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Before I jump into the podcast, go over and leave a five-star review. We really love those reviews. Leave some comments. I read all of them, and we would really appreciate that. But before we get started, I would definitely want to give a big shout-out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. Um, mention Coach Unplugged. You get $450 off, and you'll get the best customer service you'll ever expect. Um, just mention Coach Collins, and they'll take really good care of you. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the it is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It's something... You know, when I started teachups.com, it was, uh, it, it was something, it was, it was what I would have wanted as a young coach before, you know, all the, the state championships and all the nationally ranked teams that I've coached. Um, and not to brag, just to, to kind of tell um, kind of my journey, I would have killed for this stuff because it would have made my life so much easier, a little bit of everything that you need to become a better basketball coach. And we are the only people out there that offer 14 day free trial because we believe in it so much. Um, follow the roadmap, work on your craft and um, you get me one-on-one mentoring. So I can't imagine anything better than that. I don't know. Um, anyway, go over and check it out and let's head off to the podcast. All right. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, so it's been one of those, I coach volleyball coach. I don't know if you know that in the fall. So yesterday I was at a volleyball tournament all day, coach boys volleyball. And then today I've been like literally scrambling. So this is, this is my entertainment for the day right here. Good deal. Happy to be a uh, part I, of it. I, I, I love it. Um, yeah, I got a stack of papers. It's literally the reason I'll quit teaching, I think is grading. Um, <laughs> oh absolutely oh it's like laundry it never goes away i tell my wife it's like oh my if i if i hit powerball i'll hire somebody to do my grading um so i want what i kyle what i want you to do is just introduce yourself tell tell us a little bit about your basketball journey that's usually the way i started out to kind of give everybody kind of a background and then we'll see uh kind of what road we walk down yeah uh so name's kyle cavanaugh i live in ruston louisiana i started my coaching career i guess you could say First opportunity was at Louisiana Tech University. Uh, got to join their staff as a graduate assistant uh, under Kerry Rupp, who's now at Oregon State. Yep. Uh, spent two years as a GA there. Um, got, you know, kind of your first indoctrination of, hey, you don't really know anything about basketball. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you grow up playing it. You think you're interested in coaching it. Uh, and then in that first, very first workout, you kind of realize, man, I really don't know a whole heck of a lot of what is going on here. Um, And so it was a a really great experience for me uh, spending those two years and, um, you know, did everything from scrubbing floors to folding towels to washing uniforms to helping with scouting reports and recruiting information and checking classes and just kind of got to be a part of the everyday operation uh, aspect of it. Did that for two years, and, and, what, then and was, before you before you leave on that, so what did you? What was harder? What was easy, hard, or unique about that? Some of the listening, because I've had a couple of people that have been basketball operations people. Yeah, so I, I mean, you know, like they say, you know, things kind of roll downhill. Uh, you know, <laughs> and managers and GAs can usually kind of live underneath that hill. Right. Uh, And so it was just a little bit of anything, like kind of making yourself available. Uh, So like what I might do on Monday might be completely different what I do on a Tuesday because it was just making yourself available to whatever, 
you know, anybody in the office may need. So, you know, Coach Rupp was the head coach. He would go down to the assistants, and then uh, Cody Figure was our ops guy. And then he would basically come to me and say, hey, I need help with this today. And it okay. might be, you know, recruiting information. And it might be, you know, getting guys to class. It might be picking up something for the guys to eat after practice. Uh, literally could have been anything. Anything. Um, so so what, did that te- what did that teach you? It taught me to be ready. <laughs> uh, to be ready to, for anything and to, and to basically our, our little saying around the office was just get it done, you know, get, right. get something done, no matter what you won't have the budget for it. You won't have the resources for it. You won't even necessarily have the time to get it done, but it's something that needs to get done. And so you've got to figure out a way to make it happen. Um, and I think that was a really great lesson for me was just, you know, you might be stuck in a situation. You're like, man, there's not really much for me to do here, but I'm going to do the best I can and try to produce something that these guys need uh, in order for us to get this job done. Right. I think, I think, I mean, I think first of all, that not only a great life skill to be honest, for with sure. you, especially if you become a parent, if you become a parent, you know what right. he's talking about. Cause literally you don't know what's going to happen the next day, especially when they're little. Um, but I think to be a coach, yeah, you always, I mean, everything rolls downhill still, even in my program, but it's uh, <laughs> right. Trust me, it does. And you do it long enough, but it's um, you got to be ready for a little bit of everything. You never know when, you know, your best player is going to break up with his girlfriend three minutes oh. before tip off, you know, kind of thing. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we would have, you know, there would be things like, you know, coach might come in and be like, okay, this is super important. We need you to stat this in practice. Um, you know, I want to report of this, you know, at the end on my desk and all of a sudden in practice, you know, you're doing what is, you know, technically your job for that day. And then all of a sudden something comes up, you know, right. a, a player gets hurt or something crazy happens in the office and you got to go drop what you're doing and figure out something else. But at the same time, you're still responsible for that, you know, that first job. So it might me be grabbing one of the managers and teaching him real quick. Hey, I need you to do this for me so I can go right. take care of that. And it's just, like you said, it, it, it's a life skill for sure, because as a teacher, uh, in the classroom, as a, as a coach yeah. and, and coaching different programs, uh, and then now as a as a father for the last three and a half years, like literally, you don't know. Uh, you know, your three year old is is happy one second, and yeah, they're throwing screaming up the next. They're, they're throwing up on you the next second. Yes, I think. I mean, that's what people that aren't in the teaching profession don't realize too. It's like the number of questions and things that just hit your desk. Like when I walk in that they go, how do you do it for so How have you done it for so long? I go, because every day is different. I don't right. I, I have a gist of what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, but I have no idea. Like I, I don't know who's going to be showing up at my desk or my door or what's going to happen or, Right. And that changes, I think like, and most schools are probably this way, but you know, I mean, fall, you got football stuff going on and there's pep rallies and there's homecoming and there's dances and there's this and that. And then you hit kind of a, you know, there's just different seasons throughout the year. And then there's summer and you might have a, a a perfect week of lessons planned out. And then all of a sudden you have a a tornado (laughs) drill, you know, or, uh, Hey, we're going to have this speaker come in and we're going on a field trip and it just, you have to be flexible and adaptable to your situation. And that was, a, a, like I said, a really great lesson for me, uh, just literally within the first five minutes of my first workout, you know, where right. I think that's stuff. great for the young coaches too. I mean, it, you're not going to last long in, in, in a teaching profession and coaching coaching is teaching. Uh, right. If you don't, if you're not willing to be flexible, I mean, to be 100%. honest with you, yeah, yeah. If, I, if I was doing what I was doing 30 years ago, coaching wise, I probably wouldn't be coaching right now. To be honest with yeah. You. And I, and I would argue this, like, for those, you know, that teach full, full loads throughout the day, like I, right now, the, the, the situation I'm in, I teach four life science classes to seventh graders. 
And if I'm teaching the same lesson first to third to fourth to fifth hour, like right. something's changed, yes. you know, within those classes. And I, I have a beautiful plan laid out, but you know, it, chances are something's going to come up and you've got to got to just roll with it. Right. First of all, bless you for teaching middle school. Bless you, bless <laughs> you, bless you. There's a special, I student taught, bless you for doing that. Uh, <laughs> well, and some people say that about high school seniors who I teach, but yes. Um, but the thing is, I think the perfect number is two or three classes. I, I think I get bored if I'm only teaching one kind of class. Right. And, and four is hard because as you get older, like me, you forget did I do that? Did I not do that? Did that work? It's like, did I tell that joke already? You know, right. kind of thing. Um, right. So I think that perfect teaching one is for the kids, especially. I think the second time I do it the, during the day, maybe the third, but I'm really like, ooh, that didn't work. I can't do that next period. You know, those first, mm -hmm. that first, that first period kind of takes the brunt of. Right. So this is my second tour of duty for junior high. I did eighth okay. grade uh, years ago. I've taught everything from seventh through twelfth science, history, a little bit of everything. Uh, last school I was at, I taught six straight, same class all day long. And it's Whoa. tough, you know, it's and tough. you, you, you do, you're not real good at it. First hour, second hour, you kind of hit your groove in the middle of the day. And then by the end of the day, you're just ready to talk about anything, you know, anything else. Anything um, but that. Yeah. Right. But, but it's, you know, that's the job, right? So right. that's what you've got to do. And those sixth hour kids deserve the same. Their best, just like the first hour kids yeah. did. Right. And, and again, I just think that's, that's huge. Cause then when you do that all day, now you're going right into practice, right? And you've not, and then your players are expecting the best from you, uh, at the end of the day. And you've got to somehow kind of dig a little bit deeper and, and find that energy and that enthusiasm. Yep. And you can fake it. I tell my guys, I said, I'm tired too, but you can fake this. Like we can right, get absolutely. some clapping going. You can fake mm -hmm. this and get it going. Um, all right. So let's go back. I, I, th th this typical of me, I get people off task. Sorry about that. So, so, all right. So what happened after the, that, that job? So, uh, you know, I would, would love to have stayed, stayed there, uh, but was getting married and had to start making right. some money and paying some bills. And so, yep. um, I jumped across town, uh, and got in his first, uh, high school, ass uh, assistant coaching job, uh, at the 5A school in Ruston, Louisiana. I did that for a year. And again, just tried to apply everything that I had tried to learn uh, at Tech. Kind of did a lot of the same stuff. And then in high school, you have a little bit more responsibility, obviously, because um, there's, you know, there's more to do, uh, not as big as staff. And so, you know, got to apply, you know, the operations part, you know, making sure the guys were, you know, study hall, in and out of class, taking care of our business, um, making sure that we had things set up for practice, you know, whatever the head coach needed. Just again, trying to serve his needs as best I possibly could. Right. Um, and then was, was fortunate after that year to get my first head coaching opportunity, uh, again, in the, in the same town in a, a private school uh, across the way, and was there for seven years uh, as the head coach. And then the last two years, um, I was at Simsboro High School, uh, which is in the same parish, all about 20 minutes away, um, and was the associate head coach out there uh, where we were fortunate. We were very very talented uh, and, and had two good years and won back-to-back -back state championships there. Um, and now I'm back at uh, Cedar Creek, the uh, just teaching uh, and, and working on my um, clusters and consulting. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a transition period uh, okay. from, from coaching um, into just teaching and looking to do some other things now. 
Okay. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know, a parish is probably like a neighborhood, right? Oh, right? so, so, so that would be like your counties, 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 counties. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. A parish yeah. is a county for, yeah. for those Northern people. Right. For everybody yeah. other than Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You, you, well, I think it's when the hurricane hit a lot, they were talking about parishes and the, right. this parish was, um, I think that was one of the first times I remember hearing it on a regular basis. Um, it's nice and warm down there. Huh? How, oh, is it's, how is it in the summer? It's steamy right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's steamy. Oh, it's perfect. It's like, so we're doing this in, in, in September. Like it's perfect weather in Wisconsin right now. It's like 70 leaves are starting to change. You got that kind of nice smell outside. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's perfect. It's like, this is one of the reasons I haven't moved is fall. I love fall. Um, but anyway, so, okay. So, so tell, tell a little bit about, the difference from moving from the assistant job to the head job? What did you see as that conversion? Right. So uh, what's been interesting is going from the assistant to the head and then back to an assistant. And there's a really big difference between making uh, suggestions and making decisions. Um, (laughs) And I'm, you know, you're, everybody's really good at making suggestions because you're not the one that has to live with it at the end of the day. And, uh, just the, the idea that everything falls on you as the head coach. Um, and I didn't have any, any full-time help. Uh, when I started that job, I was 24 years old. I didn't know much of what I was doing. You know, again, you're just, you're just trying to get through each day and trying to make the best decisions you possibly can and, and apply what, you, what, you know, what in retrospect, what little you do know. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but did the laundry get done? that's on me you know did are the lights off are the doors locked um I remember my very first like we were getting ready for our very first game as a head coach and the girls coach was coming in and talking about like concessions and officials and I was like somebody doesn't take care of that like (laughs) like we have to make sure the concession stand stock like you just don't you don't think about that when you play in high school you just you show up people show up officials show up there's administrators the lights are on the the table is set, there's nets on the rim, there's lights in the scoreboard, like the floor is swept and you don't realize that somebody has to take care of all of that. And when you're coaching at a a small 1A private school, you know, you're the guy that gets to handle everything. (laughs) 90% 90 of that stuff, if not 100, uh, if you're lucky to have, you know, some some good parents or, or, uh, you know, I had a a part-time college assistant at the time, Um, you're just looking to pass some information off and then at the end of the day, you do all of that. Oh, I've got to be able to coach a game, right? Uh, and and try to win. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like and, all it's like all those different hats. That's what people don't realize. It's like right. I mean, I was in today, and I was doing some stuff in the gym. My son, I mean, I'm over there sweeping. I'm making sure you're right. All the doors are locked or the ball. I mean, it's like yeah. There's no there's no GA or or operation guy to you know to do it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Do the officials have water? You know, is there right. a place where the opponents are going to park their bus? Yeah, you know, and, and then the if smaller, you're going on, and the smaller the the smaller the 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 school, the more of that stuff you have to do. I'm right. blessed. I've got a couple volunteer assistants. I've got a paid one, so I'm a, I'm able. I'm blessed in the sense that I can delegate a lot of things. Right. But the smaller schools, you're you're every you're the head coach. You're the assistant. You're the janitor. You're the you know <laughs> bus driver. I mean, it might be everything. It might be like Hoosiers kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're social media. You're the the yeah. ops guy. You're the you know yeah. the SID. I mean, yeah. you're, you're well. It's you're like for stats. volleyball, it's me, and volleyball, it's me. Like right. I'm only vo- I'm it for the volleyball. Like the I, I'm the coach, so it's like I have to yeah I have to do everything, 
And it's like, oh, it makes me appreciate so much to have all that help during the regular season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's talk about let's talk about some basketball X's and O's. Um, t- talk about people always ask about practice. So talk to me about how you how you orchestrate your practice. If there's some keys to it, you know, if you could only do like maybe a handful of things of practice, what would they be and why? That's a pretty open question, but <laughs> yeah, well, I, I could ramble on uh, probably about this for a while. Um, okay. That's, that's changed a lot for me. Um, you know, being 12 years in uh, again, like I used to want things to be so regimented. I wanted somebody to walk in my practice and be like, man, this is an army. You know, these guys move like a machine. You know, the, there's the, there's a reason why the water is set up where it is. And there's the reason why this drill is set up the way it is. And one drill flowed into the next. And I used to spend so much time trying to, plan for those practices and making sure that like every single little detail down to who was going to be in which group and this and that. Um, and that was like, in my mind, I thought that's what good coaching was, you know, and we would practice really well all week and then things wouldn't translate into the game. Right. you like, right. okay, well this, this worked all week against us, you know, or on air. Uh, and then all of a sudden in the game, like it wasn't really working out the way we were. And so I've had a really big shift in my mindset. Um, not worrying so much about kind of how pretty practice looks uh, and, and, and much more into some messy training, chaotic training and more about transfer into the game, more uh, small sided games, uh, advantage, disadvantage, uh, con- contextual kind of things. Um, and I, I try not to worry so much about like, OK, was this drill run perfectly or not? Because right. in the games, they're not run perfectly. Um, and, and, and at that old job I had, we were outmatched athletically and so it was like anything we wanted to do those other teams were not going to let us do and so we needed to spend more time on what are we going to do when things don't go right uh and so trying to set up more situations like that in practice um uh, is what we focused on the last two years at that job I was at and we were very talented and athletic and, and extremely blessed with the kids we had but I realized that that worked in that context too um, because if we could get our guys in place structured, we were really good. But if we could get our guys to be structured within that chaos, we were dang near unbeatable. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, I find it so interesting too, you know, and, and, and coach Oliver has done a lot of discussion about my transformation over the last 30 years that just kind of happened. And I don't know how it mm. did. <laughs> um, you know, if you if you'd have seen my practices thirty years ago, and you saw them t- the last two years or last ten years, even m- much more of that, because it's like mm-hmm. that's what they need to get good at. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, we don't have the time, um, because I don't see my kid. I, I mean, I don't. I'm not like a college coach. We don't get to see them all the time. So right. there's things that we need to do. And and I was telling I was telling another coach that I basically have set up practice like a game. Like we have a pregame, we have we have our warmups. We have halftime. We have right. like, timeout. We literally, I mean, it's very, I, I got to do something on it because I think it's very unique. And, it, and, and the reason was I, I, I kept asking myself, why am I doing all this stuff? And it's like, well, my uh, objective is to get them ready to compete, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so literally, like, we'll, you know, we'll take, you know, they'll take timeouts during, during practice when they need a break or they need to go get water or something like that. But um, I think that's intriguing. I think that's, uh, that's what, what, what skill do you think is un, under being taught right now? What skill do you think that kids don't have that they had 15 years ago or is so, it being taught? Yeah, I would say like if we could, if we could 
define decision making as a skill, right? Okay. Like then I would then I would go with that. Um, and, and, and just why do you I, think that is? Why do you think decision making is different now than it was twenty years ago? I, I don't know if it's probably because we don't allow them to do it. More control from the coaches, I suppose. Um, okay. You know, when I when I grew up playing, you know, just in the yard, you know, like IQ, I would tie those two things together. So like me and my brother would just make up games, you know, and it's like, we would be forced to figure those things out. So that life skill going back to what we were talking about, like with me being a graduate assistant or a 24 year old head coach and not know what to do, like, you know, just the ability to figure things out. And it's like, at some point, I guess, you know, us adults decided we're going to tell kids how they should play. And I've read studies on this. It's crazy. If you, put, right. if you put 10 kids into a playground and tell them you got to play basketball for two hours, they will make it competitive. They will find out the weak link and they will, they will even, I mean, kids will self-regulate because they want right. it to be fun. If they're winning every game 102 to six, it's no fun. Like if a kid can't hit a baseball, they'll come up with something. If they can't shoot, I mean, they will do that. But we have taken that, we have taken that skill away from them, to be honest I, with you. I, I think so too. And I think that's, that's more about like, again, that, that's making us want to feel like we're doing a good job coaching. Right. Because I don't think the kids have lost that ability no. or they've lost that skill, but we don't put them in a situation to where they're allowed to explore or grow that skill. Um, and, and, and I, I, I agree with the same thing in the classroom, you know, front loading vocab words to kids to memorize on a Friday and give them a test that they don't truly learn anything as opposed to using more of a, a constraint led approach to, you know, just explore and discover and, and us boring old adults aren't (laughs) going to come up with as many creative ideas or solutions as the kids are because they're just wired more creatively than we are. I think. And, and, and I've, I've been trying to do more of that in my classroom as well. Even with these seventh graders, I give them just a a situation, say, Hey, get this, you have to get this little paper ball into a cup. There's a spoon, there's a ruler, there's some markers, there's a rubber band, but you can't touch the cup, the ball or the spoon, figure it out. Right. You know, and And they they they're coming up with ways they're coming up with things I could have never fathomed, you know? Right. Um, and it was me getting out of their way and allowing yeah. them to explore and do. And, and every, every decision that didn't work, you know, but it wasn't failure. It was just a, we learned a way not to do it. And so let's figure out another way. And every time we would arrive at a potential answer or solution, that just gave us more questions. And I so those that. more so what, questions what did, led to What did to you give answers. them? I love that. I'm going to do that with my team. I love that. What is it? You give them a ball, a cup, and a what? It was, we were, so I teach life science. So we were right. just talking about scientific method and, you know, okay. the process of discovery. And so it was just, I'm looking around my room just to see what I had. It was like a, a little paper cup, like a little coffee cup, yep. balled up post-it note, yep. uh, a spoon, a ruler. I gave them like some markers and color pencils, which really had nothing to do with them being successful or not. It was just kind of noise, like noise stuff yeah, that yeah. didn't really, might not make them successful, but they had to figure out if it was going to be successful or not. And I just gave them some constraints. Like I said, you can't touch the ball with your hand. You can't touch the cup. You can't touch the spoon. Because in my mind, I'm going to use the spoon as a catapult, right? Right. And so when I told them they couldn't touch the spoon, most of the groups just ignored the spoon. They just, okay, well, we're not going to use it. And 
they were trying to come up with all these little ways to kind of cheat the rules, you know, like they would put right. the little ball into a marker cap and say, well, I'm not touching the ball. <laughs> you know, I can, I can drop it in the, in the cup from up top or they would right. launch it vertically or horizontally. And then some built like ramps or tracks, or they made funnels to put, you know, into the cup or something. And it was just, it was amazing. It's kind of hard oh, to explain. Yeah. If, you gave bad, some bad. if you gave him some string or something too, it'd be like, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and it was just, you know, hey, you got 20 that. minutes to figure something out. And some groups were better at it than others. But the idea was that even if a group never got the ball in the cup, it wasn't a failure because right. they were still working and, and well, figuring I, out I'm things. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal something similar to that and do it. Cause I'm always looking for team stuff with my team. And I mm -hmm. love that kind of stuff. The problem and, and how I group them together will be important and that they get, they'll have to talk to each other. They'll have Absolutely. to come up with a solution. I love that. Um, so, uh, let's see. Um, what, what do you think is the hardest? You think that's the hardest concept to teach? What do you think the hardest concept for us as coaches to teach is? Uh, I would, I would I, probably go back to that decision-making okay. uh, as far as that goes, like um, being able to figure out what I'm supposed to do next. Um, one thing that I think we are phenomenal at as coaches and we spend 90% of our time on is how to set up an advantage for our kids. Like I've got this beautiful play, this beautiful set, right? It's beautifully diagrammed. We've repped it over and over and over again, five on O five on five. Like I'm a genius. Look at me, look what I'm going <laughs> to make my kids do. Right. And they, and we get them the open, whatever that open is. It's a shot. It's a look. It's, it's two feet in the paint. It's a post up and, and it just doesn't go exactly the way we draw it up, you know, uh, most of the time. And so it's, again, it's this, what do I do next? How do I figure out what I'm supposed to do? And not only what does that kid with the ball, what are they supposed to do? What are my four teammates supposed to do? And how are they right. supposed to read and react off of each other and not get in each other's way? And I think that's a, I think that's a really difficult thing to I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, probably, I don't even know how many high school games, high, head high school games I've coached, probably five, six, 700. I have no idea. The number of times it works exactly the way you want it to, I could probably count on one hand. <laughs> like I could probably tell you those games like when I – and not that we haven't practiced it. Right. But, the, the, but, the time, but I can tell you at least two or three handfuls where we practiced it enough and they knew that, okay, if things break down, here's what we have to do. Because, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's adjusting. You get a flat tire in the middle of the highway, how are you going to adjust? You, gotta, you better figure right. something out fast because, you know, you're going to get run over. For um, sure. Yeah, sure. so I think that's a I think that's a great point. Um, so, uh, coaching philosophy. What would if, if you could summarize or cliff note, spark note, I guess for the newer generation, uh, <laughs> your coaching philosophy? What would it be? So I would go back to this the word transformational, um, okay. and and uh, trying to serve my kids um, and 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 teach them what I feel like they're going to need to be successful. Um, and I try to do the same thing. Like I said, if I'm in practice or if I'm in a classroom, uh, it, it's, it's kind of one in the same to me. I think the best coaches are the best teachers. Um, so if you're, if you're teaching your kids and you're serving your kids and you're doing it in more of a transformational way, as opposed to a transactional way, and you really care about them and they know that, that you're there for them, that they'll pretty much do anything for you. And at the end of the day, if we do those things, we're successful, um, right. you know, at least in life. Right. 
Um, and, 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 but the crazy thing is, is the more often I think you do that, it, it will work out, you know, on the field or on the court. And, and I've had, I've had moments where it doesn't like I've, I've been let go before, right. but you know, and it didn't work out that way, but that, you know, experience and those lessons still help lead me down that path to where we won back-to-back championships at the next right. job I was at. So it's like, you realize like, just because it may not work out one night doesn't mean you abandon it and give up on it because in the long run it's going to work. And I, I can't tell you how many, you know, text messages or, or phone calls or conversations I've had from kids where on teams where we would win four games a year, right. you know, but they would talk about how basketball was their most enjoyable season, even though right. they it's were, transformational. It's like, I, I always tell people it's what you put out in the world will come back. If you, right. if you, if you're, if you're, if you serve and you do that, you don't do it to have things come back to you, but I, I'm a whole positive negative energy kind of, <laughs> like just be you know just be po- if you look at the glass half full or half empty that's that's kind of how your world's going to work too and it's like we the problem is we're evaluated on wins and losses which is wrong but that's what we shouldn't be and we shouldn't be we should be evaluated on what we're doing for the young men or young women we're you know how are we transforming them i 100 percent agree Right. And, and and we are. And like you said, it, 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 it is a shame. I mean, because there are teams like there will be teams this year that win state championships, but totally underachieve. Oh, right. Either no, not fulfill their full potential or their kids are going to hate it. You know, yep. they'll have a ring to show for it, but yep. their kids won't ever want to talk to their coach ever again. No. Or, or this I'm or telling that. you, and, 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 and I'm, I've won state titles. I've done all my best coaching season where I maybe transformed the team. We were 12 and 10. I mean, that team still talked. I mean, we, yeah, but we, I, I, that was my best coaching job in 30 years, 12 and 10. We were 12 and 10. Because, and it was probably the most fun job you've had. Yeah, it was you, great. Because the kids enjoy it. You yeah. enjoy it. And, yeah. and there's, there's something to be said for, you know, success on the floor, but it's hard to coach talent. It's hard to win. There's a lot more pressure that comes with winning. So I'm not complaining. I'm telling you right now, some of my most talented players ever were some of the hardest to coach. Absolutely. Right. Right. And there were, yeah, there were plenty of days and nights where in the middle of our, our runs where you're, you're not happy. You're not having fun because there's just so much other stuff outside of it. And you're like, man, this is, and you kind of have to question yourself. Like, is this really worth it? Now at the end of the day, you're happy that it works out and it's right. That's awesome. But at the same time, we also had those kids that were coming back and talking about, man, it was great that we won it, but man, I learned something this year. Like I learned right. more about who I am as a person. I learned how to set my own ego aside. I learned how to be happy for somebody else and, and let them get their shine. And when I got mine, they were happy for me and, and so on and so forth. And just like that, that to me is, that's why I got into this. That's why I, I'm trying to stay involved as best as I possibly can. Um, because those are the stories you love to, you know, to hear about and to reminisce. And, um, you know, that's, to me, that's ultimate success. And like you said, it is kind of a shame that it boils down to wins and losses and not how the, the kids are being treated or if they're having a good time right. or, or if right. they're growing, or if they're learning, just or if becoming they're growing. better people. Yeah. If they're just right. becoming better, you know, that's the, that's the hard part. Um, so is there one, is there one failure? Is there, cause I'm, I'm all about the growth mindset. If there, is there mm-hmm. one failure, one obstacle or one thing that you have experienced that you could share with the listeners that you grew from that, you know, we could kind of unpack. 
Only one failure. <laughs> no, I, well, well, one, one more for the listeners. Like, yeah. I, obviously, we all have. I mean, I have thousands of them. But yeah, we've, we've one all that we got could plenty. Unpack that you and I could talk about that someone else who's listening in right. Anchorage, Anchorage. I hope someone's listening in Anchorage. Right. Um, could 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 unpack and then they could learn from too. Because that's what I want from the podcast. To be honest. With right. You. I I wish I wish I would have gotten like. I mean, I still, okay, I'm, I'm relatively young, right? I'm 34, I suppose. I've been doing it 12 right. years. I just, I wish I would have gotten to where I'm at sooner. And I think we all kind of have that regret. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think I was ever like a terrible person or a difficult person to play for. Like I've always loved and cared for my kids, but I never, I didn't get to that transformational place as fast as I wish I would have. It was still like early on in my career, I wanted people to notice how good of a coach I was. Right. And it was more about serving my own needs and, and coaching was an ego thing for me. It was, I wanted to call that play and I wanted it to work out really well. Right. And I wanted everybody in the stands to go, my gosh, this guy is a genius. Yep. Look that's at him. They, he knows what he's doing. That's what they say. The youth is, the, what, what, uh, youth is wasted on the young or something. It's like, Oh, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you a story. My best team ever, we lost in the finals. And I, I, and that was the greatest group of young men. And I feel so, I mean, I wasn't the coach I needed to be at that point for them. Mm -hmm. If I had them now, it's like, you know, so it's, yeah, I mean, regrets are, 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 you know, long lists of things that, but you know, it's, yeah, I wish I could go back. You're right. Right. So I wish that learning curve could have been faster. Right. And I I think that my, like kind of the hunger I have for wanting to grow and to develop, I'd gotten that a little bit sooner and, and, and gotten to where, I was in a place to serve my players a little bit quicker. Um, and, and that in turn takes me down that path of teaching decision-making and not worrying about right. executing the perfect practice or the perfect play, because it, it ultimately was keeping us from realizing our potential as a team and right. holding us back. And I, I've got groups that I, I wish I could go back and I kind of want to apologize to them when yeah, I see them. I'm like, I'm man, like, if we could have just, if I could have been doing this with you then, you know, man, we, we, we might not have won a state championship or this or that, but we would have been better because right. I would have, I would have kind of gotten out of y'all's way and allowed you guys to be kids and be creative and be players and, and me not try to control every aspect of what we're doing. Because again, I just thought that's what good coaching was. You know, I mean, I grew up watching coaches stand up and holler out and tell everybody where yep. to go. And if you watch Monday night football, you're going to hear all them talk about is how well-designed a play right. is. And this coach spends 90 hours a week watching film and they do this and they do that. And so it's like they make the, we, we make the coach so important. Right. And you're I, a young I coach. You feel like you have to be that way. On my many walks with my dogs, I've had many reflections on this. I think, and I played, I played college basketball. Um, and, and I think that I think the issue is, for, at least for me, was was that change. And you've you've talked about it previously. Was the change from there's things I didn't think about as a and I had great coaches growing up, but there were things that I just I was just playing. To be honest with you, mm. I wasn't putting that depth into how coaches were. And then all of a sudden, you graduate your your playing career is over, and then you become a coach. Mm-hmm. you know it's like becoming a parent they they give you this baby and say go home from the hospital and right you're like whoa there's not is there a manual whoa you know it's like <laughs> i mean just like it's similar it's like they're they're turning over these 15 or 16 young men or young women to you to mentor and you, what do you fall back on you fall back on the things that you kind of learn while you were a player to be honest with you sports social podcast network